0: Hello and welcome to The Dirt, in partnership with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. This is the podcast that knows that mistakes in the garden are no fig deal. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine.
1: And I'm Laura's deputy, Blake. Later on in the show, we'll be discussing growing vegetables from bed mattresses and rounding up allotment jobs for this week. But first up, we're joined in the studio by Lee Connolly, a.k.a. the skinny Jean Gardener.
0: Hi, Lee. Hey, you right. How are you doing? Good. How are you? This is cool, isn't it? <laughs> thanks so <laughs> much
2: for coming in. No, thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: Um, Well, you may have heard this podcast before and know that we like to look at all of the different elements of your gardening journey the good the bad and the ugly but we like to be kind at the beginning and talk about the things that have gone well so what would you say have been some of your biggest successes in the garden
2: biggest successes everything everything I touch turns to gold (laughs) Uh, to tell you what the biggest success for me has to be um It is growing my own, but it's getting my daughter to grow her own. Mm. Just getting her interested. Mm -hmm. You know me, I'm all about getting kids involved. And when I had my daughter, she was like our biggest test. Yeah, It's one thing saying you can do it, but then (laughs) actually having her going about. So actually having her wanting to go down to the allotment is like an absolute bonus for me.
0: So what have you found have been her favourite bits? What have been the bits that you think have really captured her imagination with it?
2: Eating strawberries has to yes. be one thing I thought I was the best strawberry grower in the world and then my daughter come down to the allotment and for some reason I wasn't growing any strawberries like I was like what's going on I don't what is actually happening turns out she was eating them. <laughs> like there's a reason we come back from the allotment and she had a bad belly <laughs> and I was getting in trouble for my wife like sort of made sense after that
0: I mean you don't blame her there are they're one of the real perks of growing your own, aren't they? <laughs>
2: exactly, and and, like, and things just like beans and so, and, and peas and stuff mm. like that. Just getting her to pick them and 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 be interested and getting getting her hands on them. I think it's just that, that's got to be one of my biggest biggest successes, Marzia.
1: And when we spoke before, Lee, you were saying how there's certain things that you think work really well for kids growing. So certain vegetable types. So I was wondering whether you wanted to talk about that a
2: little bit. Yeah, man. Well, a lot a lot of people say like the really quick stuff. Like I'm re- and, and I'm really talking about this quite a bit at the moment because like things like radishes i don't know about you two did you like radishes when you were small i'm not really that much of a fan of them <laughs> now no, no but, well, yeah, neither. I, yeah but definitely not when i was younger no. well, yeah well let me tell you something olive's not interested in it. and no child i've never gone to a show and a child come up to goes well oh, please mr Connolly." they don't speak to me like that <laughs> <laughs> can you show me how to grow some radishes sir yeah. no that never happens yeah. what i mean like um, I think a really big thing, and I'm really pushing this at the moment, is patience. Like gardening yeah. is one of them things to teach children about patience. We're in a world at the moment where everything's so instant. Like you can buy something, it's there the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're on your phone, things can happen so quickly. And it's going only going to get worse. Well, not worse. It's a great thing in set, some, one sense because technology is amazing. Mm. But the whole patience patient thing is not going to happen. And gardening is one of them things. It's that that yeah. can be taught through through uh, gardening I think I'm, I'm really passionate about that at the moment
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of what makes it so enjoyable when you do get something in the end isn't it that you've put in the the time you earned the...
1: that fruit or veg that you've grown yeah, yeah
2: exactly. well, f- things take time like f- all good things come to those who wait didn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's what and that's what gardening can teach children
0: We've talked a little bit about successes. I know this bit might not be quite as popular, but can you tell us about any of your standout growing failures? I love this bit of your podcast. Like, <laughs> this is the best,
2: best, the best bit. Oh, we could just sit down for an hour and yeah. talk about my failures. And because there have been so many. Like when I first started gardening, I literally, I was 26, I had no idea about what, what to grow or how to grow it. Like, I honestly thought potatoes grew above ground, cauliflowers mm. under. I had no idea about any of that sort of thing. We got an allotment. And it was a council allotment, so it was like overgrown, loads of couch grass. I keep forgetting the name couch, but couch grass. Yeah. Uh, and we started picking, getting rid of it. And then someone had a great idea. They said, "I've got a rotavator.
0: Uh-huh.
2: You can just go over that, and you'll be sorted, and your gardening journey will start." <laughs> oh, it started all right. <laughs> uh, rotavated all this couch grass into the allotment. Obviously, it. Um, come back up a lot worse oh when i i don't recommend it like but that it's is not great
1: uh, to start to
2: you know really not if no. you don't know
1: what you're doing already and then that happens <laughs> well, i
0: can't
2: I, I can't remember who told me to do it now <laughs> like if i remembered i'd have them
0: the thing is i suppose in your first season you've shown that you can grow something yeah. that is so true that's, <laughs> someone told me the other day
2: that couch grass has got medicinal purposes oh I can't, I don't, you know, whatever happens though, it's not fun to grow coops. Yeah, I
0: suppose like most people with allotments probably don't want to hang around to find out with that. (laughs) That's it.
2: But it's just, I mean, that's just the thing that councils leave allotments in such a state when you get them. uh, And if you're a newbie, like I was, and wanted a quick fix, goes back to that patience thing again. There ain't no quick fix.
1: I guess nobody gives up their allotment when they're enjoying it and taking care of it. So I guess naturally always it's going to be in a, worst state isn't it but that's a shame because it's not a great
2: thing to take on when you're a newbie no nah, i mean in my head i just think i oh, wouldn't it be nice if council like gave it a little bit of a tidy up yeah spruce it up spend so much time i must have spent the, the first year weeding and trying to get rid of couch grass obviously <laughs> <laughs> so if you had any other big mayors situation yeah more recently like last year so i told my daughter look she loves pumpkins loves them for halloween we also make them into soup. Absolutely, you know, fantastic. So I said to her, like, we're gonna grow the biggest pumpkin. Like your dad is gonna have the biggest pumpkin in his garden <laughs> for you to show all your friends. So we plant the seeds, and then I got I got muddled up. Oh, I don't know, I had an absolute nightmare. I didn't label anything. Oh dear. Right? <laughs> and then so we got we did get little pumpkins. Yeah, but they were that, I can't say the word ornament. ornament.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Ornamental. ornamental. Thank you. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. And they didn't get any bigger. So every oh. week we were going down to the allotment, <laughs> checking out his pumpkins, and my, my daughter Oliver was like, when are they going to get bigger? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, don't, don't worry. <laughs> Anytime soon. Patience. Yeah, patience. Yeah. You just wait. You wait. Get to October and they've not changed size. Yeah. Uh, had an absolute mare with it. So, yeah, I mean, I learned to label stuff up is the biggest thing
0: yeah
2: absolutely not god knows what happened to the actual pumpkin seeds (laughs) that i was was growing it obviously (laughs) didn't come up did they but yeah so labeling stuff up so so important
0: yeah definitely and have you had any strange gardening injuries we've had various ones mentioned on the podcast before from people falling in holes
1: yeah and banging your head on
0: sheds yeah, various things. I had a you... shed fall
2: on top of me once. Is that
0: wow. count? Did you not
2: a whole shed? It was only one panel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 that sounded quite dramatic. Yeah, yeah cut the. Yeah. Cut the <laughs> bit out. I said just a panel. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Connolly has a whole shed
2: <laughs> fall on him. Um, things like that. Yeah, get, You can. I can really clumsy. I've had a, f- a fork go through my shoe once. Ooh. Ow. But, yeah, so always wear boots is what I learned from that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't go through my foot. That makes it sound like... <laughs> <laughs> that would make it, make <laughs> a you
1: lived to tell the tale. That
2: would make a better story, <laughs> wouldn't it? But, um, so, yeah, not, not not masses amount, to be honest. With you. not loads of them, apart from the shed, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just tripping over. So Have you had some really bad tales of...
0: Well, we of had person? Chris Collins um, from the Organic Gardening Catalogue. He... Was, he was telling us that he dug a hole out to put a fence in, didn't he? Mm. And then fell in the hole and then...
1: Yeah, and then s- was worried that the, it was... I think it was raining or something and he said he yeah. thought he was just going to
2: be stuck in there forever. Yeah, I can imagine Chris when he fell down. Oh, oh gosh, <laughs> goodie gosh. I'm sure he said something like that, didn't he, when he fell down <laughs> there. Good old Chris. Uh,
0: and so another thing that we're really interested in here is any sort of speedy shortcuts, any little clever hacks anything that you've come across that maybe you don't like to do by the book things Mm. that you've discovered that really work for you
2: Mm. yeah well I always the thing is for me because all I want to do is get kids gardening and families gardening Mm. and I talk to a lot of people that aren't gardeners that's the thing like once you become a gardener it's really hard to get out of like the, the gardening bubble Mm-hmm. I always use my mate Jason as an example. I must have used him about a hundred times the last month <laughs> talking about stuff. Uh, but he, he likes gardening. He's got a little boy and he wants to get outside, but he's not a gardener. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants to grow stuff, but he's not a massive gardener. And I always say, like, keep it simple to begin with. Like, just keep it really easy. Because when I first started, you know, you get these amazing magazines, guys, and <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> come, with, that. come with loads of seeds, don't they? And then you yeah. go and plant all of these seeds – and then you think, crikey, like this is a lot to look after. Yeah. Mm. And if you don't label them, then you're like, crikey, what, what are they? <laughs> Lucky dip. <laughs> um, I always just say, start really simple—five packs of seeds in the first year. Yeah. See how you get on. Year two, then take it up to ten. Do you get know that what I mean? right first, and then mm. you can build on it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. patience, mate. Patience is <laughs> all about that. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I just think keep it simple, keep it easy. And same with like, allotments, isn't it? It's like if you've got an allotment first time. Cut half of it off, like get half of it, put membrane or something down or just let it grow overgrow and just concentrate on half of it for the first year. Mm-hmm. It's such it's a big more task. It's manageable. Such a big task if you like having all that space to start with. Do you know what I mean?
0: So how do you manage um your allotment, obviously with the young family and all of your other commitments? How do you sort of carve out the time to I'm, get down there?
2: Yeah, I'm still learning. Do you know what I mean? Like I love my allotment. Luckily for me now, it's in my back garden. It's at the right at the end of the garden because before I, I, I got into gardening, fell into this media business, and you think, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be gardening. I'm like in the media business. This is gonna be my job. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you do less gardening than you did beforehand. And I was like, okay. So for me now, it's making it more manageable. Like I'm, I use a lot of raised beds. Um, I'm trying to teach my daughter to. Um, water the garden while I'm away. Because I can be like, away for like weeks at a time. Last year and, and the year before that. So I'm saying, like, it's just four coming on five. I'm thinking a week this year <laughs> could be the year where I say, right, this is what you're going to do for watering while I'm away. <laughs> but, like, the last few years, I was away for a week, come back, my tomato plants, I touched them, they fell about pieces. They were like dust. Like, We've got these such hot summers now, mm. such so intense yeah. heat that if you're not keeping up on the watering, then you're in trouble. Like I've just brought myself one of them um, like solar powered water and things. So mm-hmm. I, like drip drip water and into them. Hopefully that's gonna save me. Um but again, it's going back to that keeping it easy, keeping mm. it simple yeah. um sort of thing. I rainforest. think
1: because of the weather and it's so changeable all the time, you just yeah, if you're not there and you're not
2: watching and keeping an eye on things constantly, then it can really
3: can really um
1: you can, make a big difference. Yeah, you can
2: lose a crop overnight if you're mm. not careful. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. Keeping on the water in this year is is a, a big thing. Because you spend so much time getting these little seeds and little seedlings growing and you put them outside and then
1: I love that you've got your daughter as your little apprentice then you're like <laughs> <laughs> at such a young
2: age it's great. Oh uh, yeah, you've got it, mate, in she she's been growing oh, I said this the other day. She's been growing for like t- since she was two months old. Like we <laughs> we sowed my brother's wildflower seeds for his wedding. Oh, okay, and there's a picture about in our house where she's got some little wildflower seeds around, she's like sprinkling oh. them on the soil. Um, she do not remember it, does she? But <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, I cute. thought it was good. <laughs>
1: um, so obviously, you've got your book that's coming out and it's got lots of practical projects for kids' gardening in it
2: as well. So, how's, mm-hmm. how did that come about? So, I did, I did bluepleta for a while and you know doing these makes and gardening makes, and um, we I did, it, I was doing it with my brother at the time we thought we were coming up with the best ideas. And some of them were really good. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Uh, But both of us didn't have kids at the time. During the time I was on Blue Peter, I had my daughter and then started getting, trying to get her into gardening and realised that some of these ideas that we we were putting on TV Mm -hmm. looked great and they worked great. But as an unpractical thing, as a parent to go out there and do, it was a a nightmare. I was going to swear that. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nightmare to to, to do with kids because, you know, sometimes their, their attention span is so small that you go out with all the best intentions, but it just doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. So the reason the book, and since then, obviously since I had an olive, I've done so many more different makes with her. I go to shows and do talks about really simple easy garden makes. I don't like the whole facts about gardening, putting a brick wall up with costs like my, gardening can be really expensive mm-hmm. yeah. and going back to my mate Jason again I wanted to bring him into like the garden industry get him gardening with his kids without him having to spend loads of money yeah. especially at
1: the start where you don't even know whether you're
2: going to do it past the first year you know mm-hmm. so yeah, you exactly. don't want to be spending loads of money on stuff no, that you of don't course need to not. Do. I mean, you know as gardeners we don't really like spending too much money do you know what I mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> that does seem to be a theme that comes up in here yeah. doesn't yeah. it we, we can make anything
2: <laughs> out of anything honestly yeah. Um, so the book come about, so I, I tried all these different ideas with Olive, we did them in the garden, and people were asking me after the shows, oh, where have you got this wrote down somewhere, can I get it? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I've just talked about it, but if you, but yeah, sure, I'll, I'll write a book about it. And that's where the book's come about, really. All the good ideas that I, I have had gone has gone into that, all tried and tested with me and Olive, mm-hmm. um, and all really cheap and inexpensive, like just really simple ideas that you can just go around the house and find... Find the bits. Like mm-hmm. the idea of the book is that the parents can hand it to the, their children, flick through it, find a make they want to do, and then uh, and then and get the bits around the house and go and do it. The last thing I wanted was them to give the book to their child and then them turn around and say, Oh, that one please, Dad.
3: Yeah. And then they just like, go to the shop yeah. and yeah. get those yeah, stuff. like fifty quid later. Yeah. yeah. Like they're
2: like, Oh cheers, Lee, thanks for your book. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the thing, like um you get like recipe books for like cooking. And you get that the massive list of stuff that you're mm-hmm. never going to use again for that one dish. I didn't want something like that. I just wanted yeah. something really simple, really easy for people and parents to to go to. Because that's the point of a book. I, I want people to use it. I want people to, to do the ideas. Yeah.
0: If it's covered in mud, you know you've done it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so have there been any of the projects in the book that perhaps you... Initially weren't too sure on, but then your daughter absolutely loved them, and you were sort. Were there anything that surprised you that she particularly liked?
2: Or? Yeah, well, there, there's three different sections to the book. There was a, a grow your own section because I always think grow your own is the best way to get kids involved in gardening. I think mm-hmm. that's really important. A wildlife section because we all know wildlife's important in the garden, and also a fun section. And one of the ideas which she doesn't stop going on about now was a cardboard castle right like right, race yourself I want to do yeah so when Oliver was about two years old my wife said to me "Look, she needs a playhouse to go in I was like okay cool and 250 quid later we brought this wooden playhouse and my neighbor while I was building it said to me you know it's just going to turn into a Toy shed. I was like, nah, mate, she'll be in it every single day. Don't you worry about that. Anyway, he was right. It did turn into like a toy shed. And then I made this cardboard castle with her. And it's all it is is just a wooden frame. You know, when you order something online, you get like car like a box about mm-hmm. a massive yeah. box with like the, the tiny the little tiny thing. thing. Um it's just using boxes like that. You literally put it around the frame, paint it up, like get really imaginative with it, get let the kids paint it up. It's basically, in, especially in the summer, I mean, obviously when it rains, it, it melts away. But in the summer, it becomes our, our den, like their place to go. Like it's all about getting kids outside. Really simple, really easy. Then over winter, just break it down, then bring it back out over the summer. Mm-hmm. She doesn't stop going on about this <laughs> like She loved when we did it. I mean, the one we've done in the book was massive, it was too, maybe too big, but it was there for impact. (laughs) Um, And now she can't wait to get it out for summer. So cool.
0: Blake, I think we need one in the Grow Your Own offices. I know what we're going to be doing (laughs) is make one. (laughs) (laughs) So this sort of brings us on to our final question. What would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned since you've been growing?
1: Biggest lesson I've learned? It's a good question, isn't such it? such a big question as well, isn't it? It is a big
2: question. Let's <laughs> bring it down to one thing. Riky. Well, the big, the biggest thing I've learned in gardening is, oh, I mean, this is the reason I like why you do the failure bit because it doesn't matter if you fail. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest, that is the best learning curve and also makes some good stories as well, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, if you grow something successfully, then... You ain't really got a story after that, ever. You? Just you're just brilliant. Um, but yeah, like learning to fail and like and learning from that is is probably probably the best thing. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what I've I've learned in in doing it, and also mm-hmm. telling people as well. Because sometimes you can be a bit. Um, sometimes failure can be seen in, in the wrong way, but actually, mm-hmm. in gardening, it's a really good thing because people. If you tell someone you failed in something, then they're gonna learn from your failures
0: yeah and there's always next season that's what we always say yep. isn't it yeah. there's always next season yeah exactly
2: like gardening doesn't change massively season to season <laughs> no. does it do you know what I mean so it's always next year
0: yeah and always the different crops that you have successes with each year I think yes. which always keeps you on your toes it
2: does exactly
1: thanks so much for coming in Lee and um we will look out for your book and enjoy reading that and making this Car- Cardinal yeah, Castle. we'd
0: better get to that. <laughs> let's do it, let's
2: make the biggest one we can.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And Blake, I will just run and grab our editorial assistant Rose for our team chat.
1: Well, we've all made it back in, all three of us into the office, so well done us after another weekend of storms. Yeah. So it's been crazy, hasn't it? Um, I was wondering how your gardens are holding up
0: um, it's down, <laughs> as I think everybody's are. I think everybody's a down. Um, but no, I mean, my garden in Ipswich, uh, very, very fortunate. We didn't have really any damage. I don't think it was too severe there. I know some local places lost a few fence panels and stuff, but I don't think it was anything. I don't dressed. think we got it
1: as bad in this part of the country as others did.
3: No, mine's, ours is fine. It rained quite a lot on the Sunday. Mainly windy on Saturday, but compared to what I've been hearing up north, I think we got yeah, quite lightly, really. feel well. oh, quite sorry for some people. How is yours?
1: Mine's okay. So I live on a hill. So, yeah, in terms of like the water and stuff, it drains away and just some pots and things that have got blown over and uh, recycling bins that have moved around a bit, but that was about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's fine.
3: Well, on that note, I've got a story about flooding and storms to share with you. Um, Has anyone heard of a rain garden before? No. Well, basically, a rain garden is um, sort of a shallow area or dip in the ground that sort of naturally holds a lot of water. So you might have something above it that's sort of dripping off into it and it might create sort of a natural dip or area of water. And in a lot of houses and new houses, especially everyone's choosing to sort of pave over everything, mm. cover everything. And there's been a lot of sort of new stories recently about how we should be more, especially new developments, be more careful about creating areas for wildlife and yeah. new developments, new areas. Anyway, um, a lot of specialists and experts have come out and been saying this is causing a lot of issue When we're seeing Storm Dennis and Storm, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce the answer, Storm, Kira, Kira, we were talking about that earlier. Um, When these, a lot of water is occurring because of all of this paving, it's just causing huge areas of flooding. So they're saying to combat that we should be creating more rain gardens, which are basically where this natural water collects. So is it something
1: you're meant to put into? Yeah, so I
3: haven't explained that very well, but you need to be planting like things like shrubs and wildflowers into these natural areas of water, plants that can naturally withstand a lot of waterlogging. Mm. So they'll flourish in these areas and they'll actually also absorb a lot of the water that they might not otherwise that might otherwise have just run off into the fields and just yeah. and actually cause a lot of structural damage.
1: So you want thirsty plants, essentially thirsty
3: plants, yes, very thirsty plants. Um make sure however, you need to be a bit careful when you're um sort of making this rain garden that because you don't want it to be someone that's really close to your house because you don't obviously want to like bring a lot of water to, you might damage the foundations. But yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys, is there anything, any sort of um natural um places in your garden such as like slopes or like gravel or anything that you've sort of had to like adapt to or change
1: as mine's a small courtyard it is all concreted over but Mm -hmm. it's as i said i live on a hill so it doesn't really impact me directly um i know laura you've had trouble before
0: yeah um it's actually something that we were sort of a version of that that we were recommended to do Mm -hmm. um because we had a bit of a long boring story but basically the the path up the i live in a victorian house and the path up the side between sort of the fence and the back door if that makes sense the level of the concrete there was above the damp course hang in there guys it gets better (laughs) Um, (laughs) which basically meant that water was getting into the foundations of our house and had rotted some of the um
1: Uh, oh okay the
0: foundations the, the like wooden Joists. Joists. That's the word I was looking for. The joists. Just like waving and, um, your hands around, trying to describe <laughs> what you. And um, yeah, so we had to smash up and remove the concrete and drop the level, but because it doesn't get any sunlight down that side of the house, or um, and also yeah. there's it's not a bit evaporating of a, anywhere. No, and the slope sort of goes the wrong way. So what we were actually advised to do was to um shingle it mm. and then plant deep-rooted plants in there so that they can sort of... So the
1: purpose of the shingle is what, to create a... And,
0: well, it drains through rather okay. than sitting on oh. and sloping down towards the house. So ours was sort of plants as a house-saving Yeah, that's one way thing. of coping. And you has that worked? That? I have to admit, we haven't actually done it yet. Oh, okay. We're still very much at the halfway house there. So we're just sort of choosing our medium and choosing our plants and stuff so I shall report back in a few yeah few episodes time maybe a few more than that but yeah it definitely makes sense and I think as you say Rose it's all about making your garden more
3: environmentally friendly as well oh yeah definitely like these shrubs attract a lot of wildlife I don't think you'll be growing a lot of fruit and vegetables in these sort of (laughs) giant puddles pretty much but these sorts of plants really do help to encourage wildlife and just to make the area a bit more attractive it's all about working with what you've got really rather than just thinking oh I'm just gonna chuck a load of concrete on it like my sister she's got a garden that naturally slopes down to a river at the bottom and she sort of had to work with a lot of those conditions so making sure that she's not got those really sort of water sensitive plants at the bottom mm. and that she sort of leaves that area almost to nature and just sort of lets it like a lot of sh- um reeds and grasses grow down mm. there naturally and she's just sort of you know i'm just gonna leave that to and nature it. yeah yeah and i mean she's got chickens as well down there which oh, yeah. it can be a bit of a worry when it's yeah almost flooding can, but
1: can chickens swim
3: i don't I think I think you so. have to google that. Yeah. Can I'm,
1: I'm not swim? really sure. Can chickens I'm going to searching for this now. Well some pictures have come up of chickens swimming so I think the answer is they can. Yes, if they have I mean, to. They're actually in literal swimming pools here.
3: <laughs> What's the one with, have the man with the glass Sunglasses, sunglasses. We're looking at a very strange cutscene that's not polls. something that I've Someone ever seen. swimming pool.
1: But the top result on Google also says um, it appears that chickens do have an innate ability to swim. Their feathers are not waterproof, though, so they don't secrete the oil that ducks do. So I guess they can swim, oh. but don't, you know, they you don't, don't want to leave
0: want
1: them, no. <laughs> leave them <laughs> in water that they can't get out of. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I feel like the general rule with most pets is... Don't throw them. Don't in the- <laughs> throw them in some water and just hope for the best. <laughs> I think that's no. good sound <laughs> advice there,
1: Laura.
0: Um. So, the news story that I'm bringing this week might be a little bit sensitive. So, mm-hmm. any listeners might want to sort of skip forward a minute or two and join. I'll us be again back at with something later. jolly in a minute. Yeah, worry. Blake will Blake will be giving us the giggles again in a minute. <laughs> but um, basically, the story that. I found this week is a really interesting feature in The Guardian about how human composting could become the future of death care.
1: Okay that is quite morbid.
0: It is but it does have an environmentally friendly twist Mm. to it. Basically um, the science correspondent for The Guardian Hannah Devlin in her feature she said it's viewed as a fitting end for a banana skin or a handful of spent coffee grounds But now people are being urged to consider human composting and other environmentally friendly death care options.
3: Is it really exactly what it sounds like? Is it turning a human body into soil? It is, yes. Um, It says the process reportedly uses
0: an eighth of the energy of cremation. So it definitely... So if this was done on a big scale, it would
1: make quite a difference.
0: Yeah, and apparently... um, The body is turned into two wheelbarrows worth of soil in four to six weeks Mm -hmm. by being placed in a reusable container with wood chips, alfalfa and straw. Okay. Um, And even sort of teeth and bones and things are broken down as well. Also, it's been found that there's an indicator of biological safety, meaning that relatives could safely scatter remains as you would ashes or use them to plant a rose bush, or to fertilize a veg patch and I think that's a really interesting um rather than it being a sort of morbid subject it's almost like as you were saying earlier New like life. that circle of life thing sort mm. of giving life yeah back again
1: yeah it's like coming full circle and yeah, you know, giving something back which is nice and I do think that in this country in particular it's such a taboo subject talking about death and that maybe it would be Nice if we could move to a point where we can talk about it in in a way that other cultures do where they're actually mm. celebrating somebody's life a bit more rather than just treading on eggshells a- around that conversation.
3: Well my family, my dad, he has always says that. He doesn't want a gravestone. He always wants um someone to plant an olive tree um to remember him by. So oh. imagine that he can actually the olive tree would actually sort of grow in the soil that came from his body. It's quite incredible really. Yeah. Um that you'll see those flowers and know that that new life, that sort of attractive flower, pretty flower has been grown out of your loved one is quite amazing.
1: Would yeah. you like this? Would would this be a choice that you'd make for yourself at some point in a long so. distant future?
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah. I think I think it's definite I mean, as as you say, you don't sort of think about it too much now, but actually I think it's a really it feels like a positive a positive move in that direction mm. and as you say rose if you could know that your family had something a place that they could visit that they can remember you by and know that the thing that's living there is living from you there's something really beautiful about that i think
1: i think so too and also i would love to have the last laugh when i passed away thinking about my family sitting around on a sunday tucking into some nice rose potatoes that came from me <laughs>
0: There is that as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, we yeah. shall move on.
0: Um so what was the story that you found this week, Blake?
1: So actually it's it's also talking about um a slightly alternative growing medium. And the headline is discarded mattresses could feed millions of refugees. Um says and this is from Sheffield University or University of Sheffield mm. Science Department. Right. Um and they've found that actual literal bed mattresses could be something that you could grow From
0: what? As in, without adding anything to them, just so I think it
1: has to go through some kind of process, like there's some kind of solution that the mattress has to be put in to make it suitable.
3: You can't um, just dig out your old mattress and then start, start, like, put some seeds in it like, for the best. <laughs> like, come on, why are you not growing?
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think you could do that. You do have to, it yeah, has to be it done Yeah, it is properly. a little bit of help. But why this is quite groundbreaking is because in certain areas, especially where there's a lot of um, Syrian refugees in the Middle East at the moment, uh, the ground and the conditions just aren't great for growing crops. Yeah. Mm. So there's lots of things that are, it's not possible to grow and they're quite dependent on importing those things in, etc. So yeah. um, it would it could really transform what is able to happen in those camps um and So it's the piece says that they're going to try and grow tomatoes and peppers and aubergines and herbs um and it's all coming from waste materials which again is a really nice full circle story i think
0: that sounds amazing so and I also think possibly slightly dangerous for you because you don't need anything to fuel any more of a houseplant obsession. If you find out you can <laughs> grow <laughs> plants in your mattress, like the be I'm
1: just going to be growing them around me, aren't yeah. I? I'm just going to be lying in the middle of a bunch of plants.
3: <laughs> I did have a look at that story, actually. And didn't it say that it uses a lot less water than normal fruit and vegetable growing in the ground
1: yeah I think it's 70 to 80 percent less water than planting straight into the soil a
3: big amount if you're living in some if you're living somewhere where there's not a lot of rainfall or and you need that for a lot of people who are living in one area the fact that you can grow fruit and vegetables with not a lot of water it's pretty cool it's really, really I don't know how that would work but I'm sure the science behind it is quite advanced and so
1: it seems a bit abstract when you first Mm. when i first read it and it popped up in my google alerts i was like i need to read this story because i have no idea what this is about but the more i've read on it the more it makes sense and what a great thing so i really hope that they can get this off the ground i know they've been trialing it and they're trying to roll it out more now and they're fundraising as a result so well done to the um that team at the university of sheffield for the work that you're doing because it sounds really great and
3: if that old mattresses recycling like that's such a big recycling mission think how many mattresses end up in landfill if you could use that for that it'd actually be really great to hear
0: what other unusual things people have grown fruit yes. and veg and herbs and everything yeah in. let us know so if you're
1: listening now and you've got some great stories about where you've been growing unconventional places then do let us know you can find us obviously on social media um, and or email the dirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk with your stories we'd love to hear them
0: yes and I on that note I suppose we should get back to our desks but we will hand over to the organic gardening catalogues Chris Collins for his organic tip of the week
2: One of the ways you can always keep yourself in food is to stagger plant. As I said before, I love my lettuce, my cut and come again salads, my rocket, my uh, spinach, those quick crops I can put in a salad very easily. So re-sow, sow in between the original lines, keep those crops coming. I call it repeat sowing, and it really. You can do this in a container on a balcony, a big trough, and I call this my own personal salad bar because I'll keep sowing those crops in. They come off the balcony onto my plate for a salad every night. Really good, easy tip. And now over to jobs on the plot.
3: You've probably already noticed it, the days are steadily getting longer, so you've got much more time to spend outside, stretching your time in the garden or on the allotment. Now that it's lighter, you're also able to get lots of jobs done this month, such as sowing, planting and pruning, that you might have put off over the cold winter. It might also be tempting to start sowing seeds straight away, but it's best not to let those itchy sowing fingers get the better of you, but to wait until the appropriate time to do so. Now is the time to consider purchasing an undercover structure, such as a greenhouse, a polytunnel, or if you're short on space, a cold frame, so that you can get started with those early spring sowings as soon as possible, such as chilies, cucumbers, and tomatoes. What's more, undercover structures stretch out the season, allowing you to enjoy bumper crops throughout the year. You can also start to chip early potatoes this month. To do so, stand potatoes in an egg box or a module tray, eyes side up, and place in a cool, bright and frost-free place. Your spuds will be good to go in the ground once the shoots are around three centimetres long. If you start chitting now, this will be around the end of March. Now is the time to prune apple, pear and quince trees. However, if you don't manage to fit it into your busy schedule this month, don't panic, as it won't do the trees any harm to leave the pruning until later in the year. However, your edibles will waste energy producing new shoots that will only be cut back at a later date. So, dig out the secateurs and give pruning a go. February is an ideal time to force an early crop of tart, tasty rhubarb, an essential ingredient in pies, tarts, and crumbles. Make sure, however, to force the stems of established rhubarb plants, as young ones might not have the energy to produce these. To force, cover with a large upturned pot, dustbin, or decorative forcing jar and insulate the inside with compost in order to keep lots of heat in. You can start sowing broad beans, carrots and parsnips outside. Make sure the soil is warmed first to ensure your crop makes it through bitter, frosty days ahead. We'd just like to say thank you to Lee Connolly for coming and chatting with us today. It was great talking to him. And until next time, happy growing.
0: Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue.
1: Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, the Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you.
0: They're the one-stop shop for all things garden-related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more.
1: Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony.
0: Visit OrganicCatalogue.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitsandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, We've got an exclusive offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash podg, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote podg to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6. And every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.